filibuster, filibuster freestyle. Filibuster, filibuster. Watch out for the filibuster. Filibuster. Freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. It's the filibuster freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. Well, I'll tell you how into this Patriots game I am. When you had said we were going to um, part at halftime, that had been when I was going to do my second round of shoveling. So I completely skipped the last four minutes of that football game and that half to go shovel. So I have no idea what happened. Well, the fact that you could do it in four minutes is awesome. By the way, we, we were rolling during that anecdote, and that's the way we started the pod, which is totally on brand for the filibuster freestyle these days, folks. Welcome to 2024. That was Andrew Patterson joining us from a beautiful fall setting, though it is still January in Los Angeles. It must be Jeremy Johnson. Jeremy, how are you, first of all? I'm fantastic. I've had a cold for a month, and I'm finally better. So, um, yippee-doo. That's fantastic. And then, Andrew, you're shoveling, and I, uh, I'm putting off my second round of shoveling. Um, but the Patriots game is 6-3. to three. They're playing the Jets. And I think it's a really good place to come full circle, as we said in our text thread. Uh, Bill Belichick may or may not be coaching his final game as the Patriots head coach, and he's coaching against a team that he's owned and a team that he completely dissed as the one-day coach of the NYJ when he resigned as the HC um, to start this whole dynasty back in, I think, 2000 or 1999. So, Jeremy, you had mentioned to us that you will be angry if Bill is fired tomorrow or tonight or whenever. Let's start there. I, I just hate it. I mean, I, I don't, who, first of all, who are we going to replace him with? Mm-hmm. Second of all, I, I despise the the way that's, you know, what have you done for me lately, nature of sports. Like, the guy has made a bunch of mistakes and personnel as a general manager, and you do hope that egos are able to be put aside and he can, you know, step down from that role. It just, I can't imagine he's able to do anything as well as he used to do at his age and why why would he want to do everything and not do it as well right but i still think he's the best coach available and i i just really wish that he and bob rob and the mr crafts could you know sit down from each across from each other and and work this out in a civilized way that's in the best interest of the franchise. Yeah, and, um, I'm not convinced that's what's going to happen. That's fair. I want to put a pin in that because Andrew's got some sound effects going. I'm guessing. And uh, yeah, I just forgot. I'm back. I'm off. <laughs> I had to turn the sink on first. I mean, it wouldn't be a pod if you weren't doing something around the house. Right. So I just before I before I respond, you know, elaborate on Jeremy's take. Where are you with with this whole bill thing? Are you amenable to like? Can we strip some of the duties and keep him around as the coach? Where are you? Um, yeah, I mean, he should be the coach, and he should give a, get the guy a GM. Get him to give it up. I think at this point, he has to see he's not going to be the GM anywhere next year, even if he leaves. Yeah. I don't think anyone's hiring him as the GM head coach. They'll take him as the coach. Right. Um, okay. So I think that's what you should work out here, but it's kind of like... It was always going to end this way for both guys. Do you know what I mean? If you talk about storylines and sports and whatever, the Patriots gave us... 20 amazing years and there was no way it wasn't going to end just like a wet, like a, like a wet fart correct yeah well good way of putting it. i couldn't find the word you 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 articulated it perfectly yeah no and that's but that here's the thing like i think jeremy made the point that i'm really and i agree with him that i don't think will be able to happen but it's just silly it's kind of silly 
that we're, we're going to get rid of the guy who's the best coach available because he's the worst GM available. And it's kind of silly that either he can't see that or Kraft can't see that or they don't want to see that together anymore. Because the, the, the one carrot is that he, he basically needs to keep coaching, not for the money, not for the resume, except for to catch Don Shula. And to your point, Andrew, when you combine that with no one's going to probably give him the GM job because he's been an atrocious GM, uh, why not? Just why not do it here? Why not stay in Foxborough and do it, right? Um, you know, so anyway, I'm with you on that. The only thing I would say is Andy Reid is actually really hot on his tail, so he kind of does need to go to a place, whether it's New England with a real GM or somewhere else with a real GM, or he can win 8, 9, 12 games a year again because he's got to get some, he's get some separation again because these last three years have not been favorable for him relative to Andy Reid. He's lucky that Reid's starting to slow down a little here too with no receivers. Shout out to Jeremy's neighbor, Steve, huge Chiefs fan. Um, but so are we pretty convinced this is over tomorrow, guys? Or this, whatever, whether it's tomorrow or in a week, are we pretty convinced this is over? JJ? There's, there's just so much smoke that it's hard to ignore the fact that there's probably a smoldering fire there. The hit job in the Herald, as far as I'm concerned, was the... The breakup. That was a nail in the coffin because it was obviously coming from the crafts and why why would they release that if not to like prep the fans for the inevitability we've seen this go down with all of the sports franchises in the boston sports media for 30 years life. right exactly 40 and, years right and we know how this thing goes and you know we know that as soon as he'll be gone there'll be some flowers and some bouquets in the in the uh press release and if we get an interview it'll be nice but we'll also get these exposés that will paint him as you know out of touch and too arrogant and senile and give us a bunch of examples of why and it'll be completely one-sided and there'll be noticeably nothing negative about the ownership group and their decisions and that's about as obvious as it comes i mean it's no longer a surprise to any of us to see that type of coverage come out of one of the papers that's fair andrew anything to add to that I mean, no, that's exactly it. Yeah, that's that, fair. That's exactly it. So let's play a little speculation game. You know, JJ, you live on the West Coast. We've got a great, you know, great friend of the pod, our man Gary, Chargers season ticket holder, the best. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some talk about that place. There's some talk about the Cowboys. What um, Belichick to blank destination have you guys heard that you like the most or – Feel free to make one up right now on the spot. Uh, Andrew, yeah, you heard anything? Or you, you, you feel like you have an inkling where he's going to go? You know, with my voluminous inside NFL sources, I'm yes. shocked that I haven't heard anything directly. It's unfortunate. Um, but I think the rumor that makes the most sense that everybody knows is him to the Chargers. I think that is a team that just had a bad coach. Yeah. Um, you know, and even look at what, I mean, of course, it didn't end well, but in the few games he was playing here, J.C. Jackson again under a Belichick tutelage. I mean, I think it's a team they tried to build in a old-school Belichick way. Um, that'll just make sense if he can come in and coach. They have the talent there, and then they'll just get him some more pieces. JJ, what are you hearing out there on the West Coast? It's Chargers talk? I think, I, I, no, I don't think it's going to happen. The Chargers' ownership is, if anything, just dirt cheap, and um, they're already paying, like, two coaches. Um, they've never paid a real... They haven't paid a real coach since, like, Marty Schottenheimer, and um, they're just not that type of franchise to do that. And I, I think that really, like, the, the thing that makes the most sense to me 
is a situation like the new owner and the in Washington. Yeah. Or really the one that intrigues me the most is the is the Cowboys rumor because obviously, you know, they're they're still flying high right now, but McCarthy does like something really baffling in every game that they're not winning by seventeen. Right. You you have to always wait for the other shoe to drop with the Cowboys in like the first round of the playoffs and have them flame out in a fabulous way. Um, they are not the best team going into the NFC um, playoff right now, so there's no reason to choose them as a favorite. Right. And, you know, the Jones family runs the front office there, and honestly, like, they're pretty good at picking uh, talented players because look at that roster. Yeah, they just over do, over they over just again. overpay people. At, you know, Ezekiel Elliott being the prime most recent example. They just fall in love with their folks um, and, and pay them for past performance, which you can't do in the NFL. But it's also their money, so what do they care? Like right? where Zeke is now, and look at you know, would you rather the Cowboys roster or the or the Patriots roster? And doesn't that team feel like it's a coach away? Oh, a million percent. No, I think the Cowboys rumor. I think the Cowboys rumor makes sense because the only person I could see him saying, "Okay, I'm not the GM because the owner already is the GM," is the place where that's been going on. I mean, Jerry Jones ran Jimmy Johnson out of t- town and took him 30 years to make amends with him. Like it's Jerry's world, literally, and we're living in it. And I think for Bill, it's like, okay, can we be co-GMs? But you know, you're the owner, so sure. You know what I mean? That makes sense from like a, but I let, the Washington one's really intriguing. And if I was more sold on um, where the Panthers were at, now they don't even have their own pick, um, that would be an interesting one because Tepper has more money than anybody and he just needs to stop. He needs to help himself by hiring a real head coach. But I think the, the, the Washington football team, commander, whatever they're called, is an interesting one for a lot of reasons. It's on the East Coast. And they might give him that GM role, which I I just want to see how big his ego is. Can he really take that demotion or not? That's <laughs> well, I mean, like in that demo- that's why I don't think it would be the Cowboys, just because that demotion would be such a public demotion. If yeah. it was Jerry Jones, everybody's going to be knowing what's going to be happening there. Yeah, I just think he wants Shula's record. He wants to go to what's the closest. I mean, Jeremy, I don't know the history of the Chargers' ownership or that you know. But that's the team to me that's the closest. And if you want to rack up wins and catch up, Don, catch Don Shula, I think he wants. Why does he want to go? Have to rebuild somewhere else, unless things have really gotten that bad with the crafts that he. I just don't say see it I will GM here and I'll coach. The thing is with the, you know, with the Cowboys, it could only it only has to be embarrassing after it's over in three or four years. In the meantime, they could just straight up just lie and say how involved Bill is in everything, and uh, even have him be involved in everything. And honestly, at the end of the day, I I don't think any of us, uh, even after twenty years of reading every press clipping and listening to every interview, I still don't really have a feel for what Bill wants, other than knowing that he has a reverence for the history of the game, and I'm sure he would probably like to see his name up there as the number one winningest coach of all time, but he already has the Super Bowls. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, he already is on the Mount Rushmore, and for him, I think, I mean, does he even believe and care that much? Yeah, and really? that's what we're all assuming is what he really wants, right? Um, I mean, I think if he didn't care that much, he'd, he'd, he'd retire at his age. 
You yeah, know, I think, like, he might just be like, ah, you know what? I like this guy. I'm going to go coach Andy Reid's defense. Mm. Like, he, he is completely has carte blanche to do whatever he wants next season. He could go, like, Gav, you should put a call in to see if he wants to teach girls lacrosse. Like, he, <laughs> right. Right. Well, he's local. Area, he's he's local know, currently. Like, yeah, exactly. The, the, guy, the guy can do whatever he wants. He could take a year off if he wants. He's. His ticket's punched. He could just wrap it up and be happy with it. And, like, why go and look desperate and go chase and rebuild? And, like, I, I just don't know if he cares enough about any of this crap. <clears throat> you know how hard it would be to go from, you know, like, if he's, for the NFL to be in the same job for 20-plus years? Yeah. Well, and it, to run a franchise with the success that he's had and then to suddenly be like, yeah, sorry, you've had a few bad drafts, he's had some injuries, and... You know, the team hasn't been very exciting this year, so um, you got to go. I think I might want to go and, like, relax a little bit and lick my wounds and then just take a job in football that isn't quite so stressful. Well, here's the thing. If in a world where he doesn't care if he gets Shula's record, he is still probably the best defensive coordinator in the league by far, especially if he has the guys. So to your point, he won two Super Bowls with Parcells. Went to a third with the Patriots, you know, back in Super Bowl 31. Um, it would be really interesting if he went and won two more as a DC somewhere and literally just coached them up um, and, and helped people lock it up. That would be a real full circle thing and, and whatever. But I think if he takes a year off, we know he doesn't care about the wins record as much as, as some think. And if he takes a head coaching job as the not GM, we know that he absolutely wants that record no matter what. Um, so we'll see. But to Andrew's point earlier, I mean, all these things have to end at some point. It's not fun when they do. It's been a slow three, four-year burn now anyway. But the guy brought so much to the Patriots, not only as a head coach, but even as that defensive coordinator under Parcells. So, yeah, wish the guy the most luck ever, just like we did with Tommy B. And uh, hopefully Bill's, Bill's weird thing isn't as weird as Tommy B's has become. And that's, you know, that's okay. He could go the Monty Kiffin route. Yeah. And just, like... Be the guru. DC that, for hire, yeah. Yeah, you hire him and you know that your your defense is going to be, you know, championship level. And he yeah. can just sit up and, and just like, you know, Wade play Sudoku. True, Wade Phillips yeah, absolutely exactly. did it. Yeah. Hi, Charlotte. How's it going? Like you look at him like down on the, you look at him down on the sidelines in today's game, that wet snow that they're getting and the, watching this like prime number bowl with these guys their field goals and their missed passes and just be like why are you doing this anymore dude right that's you can just sit up in the climate controlled booth and like yeah get the binoculars out and have some fun dial it up no i hear you relax a little bit and go and like put up a bunch of great defense tell you what that's that's the advice from the sports jerks bill we know you're a big listener um so yeah i mean if you don't want to coach any women's lacrosse at the Division Three level, then definitely. I actually think that should be the first. That should be the first choice. If he listens, tell you what, we I, I got a spot for him. <laughs> I got a spot for him. We'll make room. Um, all right, let's switch gears. About I want to stay on the topic of why are you doing this anymore, but I want to talk about the Red Sox owners. But before I do that, a big apology to the listeners. Back in July, we said the ne- the next two weeks are critical for the Red Sox, and we'll check back in. Spoiler alert: This is us checking back in. It's January seventh. Um, but regardless of that fact, <laughs> do we want to talk about how well those two weeks went? They actually started off pretty good till they got to the Rangers or the Astros. I feel like, right? Yeah, 
And then I think they went seven in like 28 to end the year. And then there may or may not have been a wager on the Red Sox over under for the season that they may have missed by a half a game, which was yeah. almost mathematically impossible to miss at the time we podcasted. Yeah, it was really, uh, that summed up the season really well from my fan perspective. Yeah. Like just a perfect way to end that season. They, they finished a half game short of even making their believers in that they'd cover happy. Um, yeah. Not that we know anybody personally, but I'm sure, I know Cousin Sal from the Bill Simmons podcast lost that over under, and that's, uh, you know, that would have been the first clue not to take that, not take the over. But anyway, guys, the Red Sox ownership uh, continues to do the fun thing called let's <laughs> by the way Charlotte Charlotte's selling it up really well right now which is yeah kind of you say she's really trying to steal the show prancing dancing eating she's, she's, the show is her exciting but maybe a little ornery and that's where we all are because the Red Sox brass does just enough listening to the fan base to screw up their own plans but they do so much lying to us that that they just need to stop lying I'll put the pin in it there, boys. Can these guys stop lying? Where are we at with the Red Sox? Andrew, where are you at with the Red Sox right now? Um, can they stop lying? No, they can't. I mean, and, and they're not going to, and they, like, I think they feel like they don't need to. And at this point, honestly, <laughs> if we're even being fair, it's not even lying anymore. They're just, um... I mean, I don't even think it's lying anymore. They're just, they, they just have, it seems disdain. This is who they are? Saying, this is who they are? They're not lying? They're just, just they okay. Yeah. They just won't tell us the truth even though we know they're lying. That's where we're at. I, I think so. I, as big as I said that. Um, yeah. I'm kind of trying to, I, I guess I'm trying to get over caring about them as an ownership group. Um, they don't respond. It doesn't seem to be like, it takes a lot of energy to get angry at them. You know what? Give me a product. Let me root for the product and be nice enough to give me a product that is going to uh, compete. Have a chance to win. So, Jeremy, you are very much sticking to and a fan of the process that they decided to blow up after our last Red Sox pod, which was to fire Bloom. Now, they are continuing to make really good decisions on getting off huge contracts off the books, but... Where are you? You haven't had a chance to articulate to the listeners where you where you've been this summer slash fall since they made the move with Bloom and then brought in Breslow. My initial reaction to the Bloom firing was I was furious because they made us sit through three years of this rebuilding process under the guise that Time Bloom would then be allowed to cook once he fixed the salary you know situation, the luxury tax hell that we were in and got all these bums off the market, I mean, off the team. But then, (coughs) excuse me, then once we got to the point where these bad contracts were off the books and we could actually take advantage of these, you know, this, this stocked farm, they fired him for doing what we all termed as exactly what they asked him to do. But... My full circle has been remembering all these trade deadlines and watching him waffle and not do anything or have one good trade deadline, but listening to him talk about like how the players were mad at him after and like letting these like these grouchy overpaid veterans like kind of bully him into how he was gonna take action and and then like 
going like one million dollars over the um, the luxury tax limit and keeping us in that that you know uh, jail, so to speak, for another year was fireable in its own right. If we're gonna tank, <clears throat> what are we doing? You know, like it just seemed like there was like administrative stuff and like reminders that he forgot to set on his phone that led us to this purgatory that we're in and as time went on and I I remembered more and more of these like really baffling choices he made I became happier and happier that the guy is no longer running the franchise and 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 looking at where we are again like we 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 don't have a lot of proven major league talent we still don't have a, a farm that's stocked with young talented pitchers and you know, we're in a better position, I think, for the future than we were. But even like, you know, as much as I like Masa, like, he can't, he's not a big league fielder. He's not like a big league average fielder. Like, we, we're terrible in the field. We don't have young pitchers. We've got a bunch of young position players that have talent, and we've got a bunch of guys that have potential. But like, we're again starting over again. Right. So that tells yeah. me that the last general manager didn't do a very good job. And the ownership, it's their, their contempt for us is that they don't say anything. What have you heard from the ownership this year? You no. heard two words, full throttle, okay? We're not there. That didn't happen, okay? Maybe the throttle stuck. But, like, I don't want them to go full throttle. It shows an even dumber thing to say, like, they're not in a position to, go to full yeah. compete this year. So why yeah. would you go full throttle? Don't spend money. Just don't don't go panda on us and Andy Ramirez on us. Don't go out there and overreact again and waste a bunch of money on guys that aren't the answer. So you can tell the fans, look, we do what you want, and then say it didn't work, and now we don't spend money on guys again. Yeah. <laughs> like, knock it off. Like, learn from your mistakes. That's Please. the maddening part. And I think as much as I don't love giving them credit, the Breslow hiring maybe shows a little bit of learning from your mistakes wherein you're not full pendulum swimming back to a Dabrowski yeah. style. And you've acknowledged, hey, we have a really good farm system, but they don't have pitching depth at any level. Right? Where they have it is the major league bullpen. They have a they have good depth in that bullpen. Could be a little better, but who's who's couldn't? Other than that, you have no organizational depth. So you hire a guy who specifically builds pitching and then also is now showing he's not afraid to pull a trigger, which in retrospect does seem to be Bloom's biggest weakness and that he could not pull the trigger on anything. But I also don't need someone pulling the trigger like Dave Dombrowski and getting rid of all of your guys. Right. I do think guys like, it sounds like Roman Anthony, Marcelo Meyer, um... Kyle Teal. Those should be untouchable guys. Other than that, I don't know that you have too many untouchable guys, but we don't need to go sell them to make a fake run this year. Andrew, what guys did Dombrowski get rid of that are now running the league? Well, it's not just about... It's not about getting rid of guys who are running the league, right? It's about getting rid of um, first... Lots of depth guys that you know, when you were developing guys, they're playing maybe more or positions they shouldn't, or you're not developing them, developing right. And also just the organizational focus was not on developing top tier talent. It was, what are we going to be able to do to acquire, 
either free agency or trade level at the major league ready level. It's a way to run an organization. I just think long term, it, it, it leads to issues. But why can't we walk and chew gum at the same time? Why can't we focus effort on the farm system and build this, this system up through the you know, use of analytics and technology and, and spending money on, on training and nutrition and also build one of the best baseball teams I've ever seen in my life in the 2018 Boston Red Sox. Like, it, would you what, trade what, these, like, these guys the who are can't-miss prospects? Right. Would you trade them for another like best season of all time? And then, by the way, the, the failure of Dombrowski was not trading was Anderson Espinoza. The failure of Dave Dombrowski happened when he, like, started throwing huge chunks of money at guys who were injured all the time and, and not re-signing the right players and not positioning the franchise for the future after that championship. Well, yeah, but I also think you... What was that? You have... Yeah, well, go on. I don't know what I was going to say. Go on. Oh, okay. No, you paused. I thought maybe you were, you were muted. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, I was trying to collect my thoughts, and I just realized it isn't coming to me. But I think that... What Jeremy is describing he wants to do is basically what the Los Angeles Dodgers do, and they do well. And if you're asking me why can't we be the Dodgers, I would agree. I think we can be the Dodgers. Yes. Yes. I think well, we're, that, we're, if that's the question, then yes, we can be the Dodgers. There should be nothing group. The social group is not going to like continue to spend luxury tax money on last place teams. I can't necessarily blame them for that. I also don't think they're going to go all in period until they finish that development down around Fenway and they're trying to sell condos and fill 10-year leases. I, I think that they're just, they're, they're happy just being just relevant enough right now and to save a little bit of money, 30, 40, 50, 60 million dollars a year, but they have spent money. That's the maddening thing. Well, that's right. Terrible. Yeah. And at the top of the league and, play, and payroll. Yeah, when you're bad four years out of five or, th- you know, whatever. I mean, 2021, they were pretty good, right? They made the ALCS. They were a fun little team. Kike Hernandez was the best hitter in the world for four days. Um, besides that one year, besides, and everything after 2018 has been garbage. And to your point, you're in luxury cap hell for a terrible team. But you keep getting yourself into it with the Carl Crawfords and Kung Fu Pandas and Chris Sales. These are the albatross contracts, the wrong guys. And, you know, I just I can't decide what I'm more mad about. Did this all start going wrong when they got rid of Don Arcillo? No. But that was the clue that these guys kind of can't help themselves from being the savviest businessmen in the room, even though you need some feel in sports. Um, well, did you read um, Tony Naz the other day? And no. I think it was mostly a just for fun column. Yeah. And he basically acknowledged he didn't have any inside information on this. But he was writing about um, if you were looking for signs that the Red Sox owners are going to sell, you know, you could see that there are some there. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I can't remember everything he listed. Um, I'm sure if you Google Red Sox, Tony Maserati, it's his most recent column. Um, but you do wonder if they get that development built. They've kind of maxed out everything you can at Fenway and around Fenway at that point. Uh, do you sell then? Right, for like $6 billion or $10 billion or something. Yeah, sell the Red Sox and keep Fenway Sports Group. I mean, like, yeah, you can always rename they it. They keep the buying more teams. Group. They look like yeah, they're but just if becoming you want, I think Liverpool Sports is, Group. Is, 
thing was, do they want an NFL team? And if they want an NFL team and you're going to sell something else to, to get it, what do you sell? And it would make the most sense. It was an interesting call. I, I guess yeah, he did like, not claim this was going to happen. That all makes sense. But I guess here's, here's my, um, what I want to get to before we go. Jeremy, you had mentioned that you have a, a, a corollary between the Red Sox and the Celtics and did not elaborate, and I'm glad you didn't. Where, where are you going with that? The Celtics are, you know, run by Brad Stevens, and they have ownership that is, um, they give like two interviews a year, you know. Yeah. And they are, they tell you exactly, they actually communicate with you as a fan through the press. You actually get a straight answer out of them on things. Brad Stevens just had an interview in The Atlantic where he went through like the team's mindset and philosophy going into the trade deadline, going into the, the deadlines to like turn two-way players into um, playoff um, eligible roster additions. Like, and he just clear as day breaks down exactly where the franchise is at mentally and does it in a way where he's not like, we're not talking about state secrets here, you know, like tell us that look like if I'm, if you're the Red Sox, like ownership, like look, like our goals are this. Yeah, our goals are to create a sustainable, you know, farm system that is constantly restocking the big league roster with big league ready talent. We're investing this many million dollars a year in at every level of of minor league baseball and development. We are not planning on making a huge splash in free agency. We're planning on putting together a team full of guys that X, Y, and Z and allow our young players to develop, see what we have there, and um, build towards competing at a, um, at a World Series level, you know, in the next three to four years. It'd be if nice the if they give us that kind of said something like that to us. I think the three of us would read it and shrug and be like, "Yeah, that tracks." Yeah, and then we would adjust our expectations and we would root for that to happen. Right. Instead, it's full throttle and it's we compete for the World Series every year and like a disdain for us and a disdain for their players and their assets because of the amount of money that they're spending and like this like sneered upper lip about like having to like communicate with your fans and it just it really bums me out because like the Red Sox were my first sports love as a kid. Yeah. I, I'm a I'm a I'm a long distance fan and I I like they, they're a part of your day every day in the summer. It, with one way or the other where it's a radio broadcast on the way home or they're just on the TV while you're doing this and that. And like rooting for baseball players to you know incubate from from non big leaguers up to big league you know contributing players is one of the true joys of a, as a sports fan. And now, like every time I see anything coming out of them, I like roll my eyes. And um, like we're coming up on spring training here, and I want to be excited for something. And I'm trying to like reframe my personal expectations. And I, I'm looking at a franchise that, like, doesn't have the respect for their fans enough to communicate with us and tell us that, you know, that the the liquid on her leg is not urine, okay? <laughs> like, just talk to us. That would be Break nice. It down and let's go. Like, Henry used to sit at the picnic table and get give a little talk at spring training to the press every year, and then he stopped doing it because he, he – 
sound like an idiot. You're talking about Pablo Sandoval's body fat percentage. You, you know, like. Well, that's not a good place to start, you know. <laughs> I, but they were like, oh, no. They were saying like, he was like 8% body fat. So I was like, no, Carl Lewis was like 7%. Well, I was going like, to say, Donald, Donald Trump about, weighs you know? 220, and uh, Kung Fu Panda only had a 8% body fat. Totally. Totally. Um, no, that's good. That's a good corollary. And I, I will say this, and I want to get to Andrew's thoughts for his maybe disdain or not about the communication. But, you know, the, with the Patriots being down, and it's going to take a little bit of luck here to get back in terms of a, a quarterback on a friendly salary that can get it done is kind of the, the, the way it works in the NFL. This is the Red Sox chance to kind of retake Boston by storm. And instead, you know, and again, the Bruins and the Celtics, they're just two small fan bases to ever truly dominate. But they're both going for it and well-run and finding ways to build on the fly and, and pivot on the fly. I mean, the Bruins made a ton of moves over the, the summer and are still very competitive, and, but knew they had to do it. Um, and the Red Sox could totally be taking advantage of the Patriots being in a quagmire, and instead they're like, no, let's also be in one right now, which is the dumbest part about all of it. Whether it's the plan or not, if you don't talk to us about it and you're blowing the chance to take the town back, you know, to your point, the Celtics are doing it a smarter way, and I think so are the Bruins. Uh, Andrew, you're a big Bruins guy. I know you're not a huge Celtics guy, but do you feel like the Red Sox could learn about communicating with their fans? Is that fair? Well, I'll tell you what I don't want. And um, I'm not a big Celtics guy, but I watch the Celtics occasionally, and I watched a game. I can't even remember who they were playing. And Wick Grousebeck was on the broadcast for a full two quarters talking about the sitcom that was coming up based on his life during a regular season game. Yeah. Um, I don't want John Henry in the Red Sox booth for multiple innings telling <laughs> me about the sitcom being based on his life that is, that's coming on that's NBC fair. shortly. That's fair. That's enough communication for me. I, John Henry's creepy life can stay yeah. private and hidden. <laughs> but uh, I also don't think, I mean, yeah, the Bruins, Jeremy Jacobs and Charlie Jacobs, I don't know that those are owners you want to be necessarily like. No, they're the worst. Um, but, yeah. But um, I think Cam Neely talks for the press a lot, right? And they have, you know, and um, Don Sweeney's out there. Um, there's certainly no lack of communication there. I, um, I mean, I just, I just don't get the Red Sox ownership, right? Like, how do you go, you literally... We're heroes here. You did the one thing like, nobody could you do. One in 04, and yet you failed to understand the market you had bought into, right? Like you misread. I mean, it seems like a small thing, but you misread Don Orsillo, right? You did not get where you were coming, how like provincial and, and, and proud of that it's going to be, right? And then you misjudge your fan base in terms of what they want to, you know, like they just didn't get for a number of years that. And I'm sure this isn't unique to Boston, but Jeremy said it. Like, Boston Red Sox fans, like, they love to watch their guys grow up in the system. Yeah. How, many, how many markets have a website like Sox Prospects that employs multiple people that just talks about Red Sox prospects? Literally stops talking about them when they get to the majors. And they have podcasts or parts of multiple things. Like, the Red Sox ownership just for a long time seemed to miss that too i just don't think they understand their fan base and it's clear that the red sox mean more to the fans than it ever did at any point to ownership and to get turned on like that is really remarkable when you have one of four world series 
Yeah, that's fair. And it's the hardest thing to do is to win the World Series in a place that was cursed, and then the harder thing to do is to get everybody to hate you 20 years later, but they did it. Correct, correct. It's really quite impressive. You did it. You did both. You did the hardest thing ever, and then you made us all hate you despite doing it three more times in like 14 years. Oh, amazing. Amazing work. So uh, still still six to three here, halfway through the third in the Patriots game. Let's get productions on the end of this game and thoughts on – Draft picks and wrap it up, boys. Uh, do the Pats pull this one out, or do the Jets pull this one out? And do you care? Uh, Storyline, it has to be the Jets. If this is Bill Belichick's last game, you cannot script this in any other way than the Jets, the team that were completely snake-bitten by him in so many ways, don't beat him in his final game as Patriots head coach. It's their Super Bowl. Jeremy, do you, con- their Super Bowl. Do you concur? It's just it gives me a migraine just to watch this nonsense. <laughs> it's yeah. very boring football. <laughs> These guys could be playing. They could be playing in the in the Superdome, and they'd be mediocre on their best day. Yeah. And watching both of these teams try to play football in a in a wet uh, driving it appears to be a nor'easter. Oh yeah. Um, while they like dip in and out of the ghost lines that um, that Fox is giving us, and the weird, the odd Fox AFC game. Yes, um, we get the ghost lines because they can't see the hash marks and the yardage lines. And uh, Billy Billy Zappi is just I, the guy. I, he should go to the spring league, the whatever USFL. The UFL. Yeah. He should go there because he's he's got it all. He's just too small. He's got the he's got the charisma. He's got the like he's got the attitude. He's got the escapability. He's like wily, but he just isn't good enough. He can't throw it hard enough. Yeah, he's a quadruple he A. He's a quadruple A. He's Frenchy. He's Frenchy. Uh, what's he's his a, name? Yeah, and yeah. he's the kind of backup quarterback that like if you had to drop him in for a half of a game or a couple spot starts, like he may go five hundred for you. He may even win the games. But, like, what, the more I watch Bailey Zappi, the more I think how bad Mac Jones is because this yeah. kid just doesn't have it. And then watching him throw with a wet ball in the rain, I mean, in the, in the wind, rather, like, it's sad. He just doesn't have it. Yeah, he's a quadruple A guy. amazing how many, and it's not just Patriots because other teams certainly would have drafted him had they had the chance, but how, how this... Uh, how many teams, like, how how badly scouted he was. Yeah. So... The humor with this game is that we're in a field goal game with the worst field goal kicker I've ever seen. Who was drafted yeah. in the fourth round. Yeah, totally. But agreed. He's terrible. So, guys, do we go quarterback here? Uh, and, and assuming we lose, we get probably the third pick. Do we go quarterback, or what do you want to see them do before we go? You know, I, I think that... Uh, it depends on if Bob Kraft is buying the groceries or not. I think it depends on who's available. And do you get a quarterback just because you say we need a quarterback? Or do you get the best talent either at tackle, wide receiver, or quarterback? With the three most important positions in the game, get the best guy available for one of those three positions. Get a franchise-altering player, even if it's a left tackle. Yeah. Because that left tackle will make your wide receivers better and they will make your quarterback better, whoever that quarterback is. You get a good 10 years out of the guy, and you can build from the center of the line, which is how we built our last dynasty. Yeah, We didn't didn't draft guys who were like, you know, David Terrells. We got ourselves our Richard Seymours and our Vince Wolferks. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Andrew, you, you that light. Like Jerry, me said that pretty good. Like that's. Yeah, I mean that's, and again, I don't, I, I don't have all the numbers on college football guys. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just gonna believe what the people who do that for a living tell me. So I don't know where you go on the pick, but take the best guy. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I don't think it's quarterback or bust if you don't have the number one. You know, I, I don't think you force a quarterback. Honestly, we forced the quarterback with Mac. It was like, oh, there's there's five generational quarterbacks in this draft, really? Because there was yeah. one. Uh, right. And the, you know, the fifth guy. Didn't work out, you know. So anyway, all right. Well, guys, stick around for a minute. We'll catch up. But that's that's the first uh, sports jerks in too long, and um, you know, let's keep an eye on spring training. It's actually not that far away, um, and let's get excited about it. You know, uh, see if we can't get excited about it. But uh, appreciate you guys. Both. Pod coming, I swear. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. You never know. We're doing so few these days that maybe we'll get that one in because we're not doing any other ones. So anyway. All right, guys, thanks for being on. Stick around for a second. Phil Buster Freestyle, first pod of 2024, hopefully not the last. Special thanks to Charlotte, who has been incredible on this pod the whole way through.